know that was um... fans we are live once again with another edition of the cheap heat productions wrestling podcast my name is jack kilby executive vice president of great north wrestling and we're very pleased tonight to welcome two very long-standing independent talents not only in terms of the east coast mid-atlantic area but also midwest but individuals that have also competed in the WWF during that golden era. And I'm talking about the returning Lou Marconi and for the first time ever, Frank Stiletto. Thank you, folks. How are you doing? Hi, thanks. Doing great, man. Thanks for having us. Well, we appreciate it. Frank, can you uh, start off by letting the fans know how you and Lou know each other? God. Well, I want to say we met in a locker room at a show and we realized that we lived nearby each other i want to say it was maybe 20 minute drive with traffic yeah and from that point on we you know communicated together because you know it was hey you you knew someone that was nearby yeah we were able to like it it made economic sense for us to travel together we take each other switch off on cars split trans you know it's just if you get a group of guys to meet in one area and put take one car and just go it's it's kind of it, it helps. It helps chip in on gas, food, everything. It's just, it's very helpful. Plus the camaraderie, you know, we'd be ta- talking about stuff and, you know, it's to shoot the shit. You know, we're both Cleveland sports fans amongst other things, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's a long drive. You need somebody to talk to. Sometimes you it just helps do. Keep you away. <laughs> yeah, it does, especially late at night. I remember those times. Yeah. But yeah, mm-hmm. so that's how we, so I think it was I, my, my, it was my first show. My first match was like in 93 in Plymouth, Ohio. He he was training with Kid Collins, and I was training with Charlie Fulton, and they worked together, and they ran shows together at both wrestling schools. That was the first time I met him. And I lived in Brooklyn, Ohio, which was a west side suburb of Cleveland, and he lived in Lakewood, Ohio. So we're west side suburb. We live real close to each other. It just made economic sense. We've been yeah. friends ever since. Yeah. Man. Yeah. He was the best man at my wedding. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I've been married for a while. Uh, let me see. Let me see. There it is. Been married for over ten years now. Yeah, two daughters. Can you can you let the fans know about some of uh, your history as as a team? I know you've uh, you've you've tagged up quite a bit, mm-hmm. as well as uh, faced each other in singles. But mm-hmm. in terms of your work in the ring, if you could give the fans an outline of that, that would be great. Well, I, I mean. We're Steel City Tag Champs. Um, yeah, that, that forever was in a day. You know, wasn't that like a last minute booking thing from Norm Connors? I think so. Yeah, because we we feuded with each other a lot, and something had to go. He had to so he had to book on the fly because there was a weather problem because we were in Northwest Pennsylvania, and that's like you, you get like snow, like a foot of snow within hours. Yeah, and something mm-hmm. happened where somebody couldn't make it, so he decided to like, hey, we're gonna do an impromptu like you team up with Frank that night and you guys are going to work together. Like you don't quite trust each other, but we won the tag balls that night. Yeah. And that's what, that's the way it kind of went. And, and Stevie and Meany. Yeah. Stevie and Meany. Yeah. yeah. Stevie and Meany. God bless them. Yeah. There was some, um, Stevie and I were the tag champs. Yeah. And well, they, he turned on me and uh, from there, you know, it, we did an angle. We had to do something. We had to do an angle. Yeah. yeah, we had to do an angle. I think something, something, I, if Norm was here, he probably would remember. Yeah. But uh, something went wrong. And we, we had a great time. I remember we couldn't even drive out of that town. We had to stop at a hotel. We all kind of got together and partied at this hotel bar afterwards because there was like just, just tons of snow. It was, it was a November show. But it was like it was it was just uh, I, yeah I think it snowed like six inches during the show during the show yeah yeah we, yeah, we didn't oh yeah we didn't have a snow brush for the car yeah so we got like the janitor's broom yeah we were we using the broom to clean off the car <laughs> people were coming to me say hey how's it feel to be a tag jumps I don't care I want to get somewhere warm and freezing yeah, we're <laughs> like, yeah we were we were hungry we wanted to get something to eat something yeah. to drink and just kind of crash roll somewhere warm yeah. I remember that show yeah those were good times though it, it, it's, it's 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 just I can't impress upon people how much fun it was. Yeah. I mean, it, it really yeah. was. And, and and the thing is, you're working with someone else. And it's it, it, even in today's world, it's yeah. it's just working with people can be a struggle sometimes. 
Yeah. You know, but it's just everybody had a positive attitude, you know, to, hey, let's get from point A to point B. Yeah. I think, too, back then, um, I'm going to say that not, some people are going to like what I have to say, but you could, you could, we could, you could show up at a show with your bag and meet that person that night and have a 10 minute match with them and not have, and because you both know how to work, it's not a problem. You know, yeah. you didn't have to rehearse your match for three weeks before the show. <laughs> just, yeah, I yeah. mean, there was a bunch of times I'd worked with people where, yeah. the, where the, uh, uh, you know, where as much as I told the guy was, uh, um, I'll, I'll talk through the ref. That's it. Yeah. You know, and we'll go from there. Referee's the most, referee's the most important person out there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I will say that over and yeah. over because they make it look, they make it look legitimate mm-hmm. and they're good go-to in between. Like if he's on the outside of the ring and I'm about to do something or bring him in the hard way, tell him I'll bring him in the hard way. Tell, I'll tell the ref to go out there and reach, hey, hey you know, he'll, he'll, he'll convey, he's really good at doing messages. Yeah. yeah. Tony Bellotta was very good yeah. at that. Yeah. yeah. He was, there's a lot of good referees. Well, Chris Woodworth became a good referee. Yeah, Chris actually became a very good referee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, there's a lot of good referees I work with. Um, and we've also run into, uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> what? what mm-hmm. What's that? <laughs> what, yeah. what are you talking about? Fuck it. <laughs> fuck it headlock takeover. We'll yeah. talk. <laughs> just, just do something. You know. <laughs> Sometimes you have to take something. Well, oh my God, of course. Do you think so, that uh, the independent wrestling... Uh, in 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 this this current era has has suffered just by that the the loss of even on the indie level not not including you know the big companies where you know you've got your every uh maneuver and spot laid out for you but do, do you think independent wrestling has suffered in terms of that inability that some have just to put a match together and go out and call it in the ring well you know i'll yeah. Even, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even, you know, even, he's trying to be nice. You know, even 10 be... years ago, I mean, even 15 years ago. Yeah. You, you know, I, I think it's just the general lack of respect for the business. You know, I mean, you know, to, to borrow, you know, the, the words of the Iron Sheik, the late great Iron Sheik. Yeah. You have to respect the business. Mm-hmm. And, God's, um, and, God bless and God. you know, but a lot of that in general, you have that in the world today, Yeah, you know, where people just don't, it, you have to be respectful of, of people. Right. And respect the locker room too. I think, yeah. you know, that, cause there's, there's times I remember I was like, I think I was talking to Zoltan about, about almost like 13 years ago, that there was guys that didn't respect the locker room then. And it's even worse now. Mm-hmm. I think, People wouldn't, uh, you know, it was just people wouldn't come up to you and say, and shake your hand and say hello. Let me give you a good example of this because when we did WWF, because you kind of mentioned that we did do WWF, we always came together. We always traveled together. When Gurria would call us, he'd say, bring Lou, Lou, bring Frank, whatever. We went. And after a while, because of how respectful we were in the locker room, they they liked us. They opened yeah. up to us. We, we did our jobs. We kept our mouths shut. We did our jobs. But I, I think the one time, I think you had a couple matches in one night, and you and this is the, honest to God's truth. He goes, you're going over. Frank was going over in a match. He goes, pick who you want to work with. I'm sitting there in street clothes in front of the monitor. He goes, I want Lou. And he goes, Lou, you got to put me over. And, and Gria said, get your stuff on. You got five minutes. So him and I could have went out there and had a match in our sleep because we worked each other so many times. It's not a big deal. But I could, he could have done that with anybody. He could have. And he knew he just picked me because he knew we were most comfortable with each yeah, other. I mean, we worked a lot together, and you know, yeah. it was just comfort level. It was, yeah, you know, because you never know what could happen. I mean, it was a dark match. But if I would have hesitated for one second or one iota, they would have said, "Sit down, we'll go, or you go." They they don't care. You're just yeah. another body to them. So I knew that. I jumped. Remember how quick I jumped? I said, yeah. "All right, I'll be ready." Yeah. Didn't even hesitate. Mm-hmm. I got it. Mm-hmm. We're gone. Now, now there are people that uh, you know they put you on on the board against um, you know other indie guys. <laughs> And I was like, I'm, I'm sitting there praying. I'm like, oh God, please no, please no, please, please let's not have time for this. You know? Yeah, where they just put you on the board. You remember that? Oh, yeah. oh shit, was that West Virginia with Korea caught us trying to leave? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was Huntington. <laughs> we weren't on the board. Well, Tom Brandy was leaving. So, yeah, Tom. You know, Tom. Yeah, Tom was on. He was yeah. on his way out anyway. I think at that time. Yeah. A few months later, he was gone. Yeah. yeah. 
But he it was just kind of he goes, I'm not on the board. Fuck it. He left. I said, look at that. Well, we're not on the board. We're not on the board. We can go and Chris. Yeah. Hey, hey, I'll put you on the board. Get back there and get yeah. dressed. As soon as we walked back in the locker room, like it was Scorpio, it was Scorpio uh, Mark Undertaker, yeah. Triple H, said, hey, all of them were just laughing yeah, at us. They're, they're, they're laughing. like, ah, they caught you trying to sneak out. Yeah. <laughs> I think Foley was there too, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're like, that was what, 97? I think that was 97. Yeah, 97 ish. Yeah, it was, a, it was a Monday Night Raw. And then he was, yeah, Korea was pissed. He was mad at us. <laughs> you guys think he could just come in here, just collect and leave, you know? And we're like, all right, well, you didn't put us on the you board. Didn't put so us on the board. We, we didn't see our names. We didn't see know? our names. The show, we, what he had like, what, a half hour left in the show? Yeah, I think. yeah he put us on the bottom. He put too. us on the very bottom. So we, we were stuck until after the, until they were done. And it was just, I think we stopped at eight somewhere. And then I think, I no, this, this is honestly, this yeah. was back when you can buy mini things at a truck stop. He crashed. Mm. I drove back to Cleveland on Mountain Dew and many things, and I was like shaking while holding the wheel of the car. But we, we, I basically drove overnight back home. Yeah. And then, yeah, that was that was that story. A lot of lot of those uh, interesting times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, Lou, or sorry, Frank, I understand uh -huh. that that you had a, a TV match against uh, the late uh, Yokozuna, and wanted to ask your experience yes. there. I've I've talked to uh, a couple of uh, workers that uh, faced him in the ring. Some had uh, decent experiences, others not so much. I'm thinking about Strangler Steve King being one of them, who's quite open about his uh, experience with Yokozuna. How was yours in in, in the Great. ring? Great, um, you know, I mean, I told him I knew Charlie Fulton, and oh, he was the, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, that was the icebreaker. Yeah, yeah, Charlie. Charlie you know, was um, he was a little, you know. I guess he was trying to explain to me that when they pulled his hair back, I guess it can be quite painful. And um, he was just telling me about it. And I'm like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, I'm, you know, just make it work. Was he, you still, know? Was he stuck with you at all? No, not at all. Hmm. Not at all. No, no, I can't think of it. Cause I know you had, you got, you had Leon another night. Yeah. That was, a, he had I had two experiences with Leon. That's one another... stiff. And and one light is a feather. Yeah, and as the night because <laughs> yeah, I was like I was like the second time I was like really <laughs> really <laughs> I showed up. I got there before him for some reason. I was in Cleveland. I got there before you. And Garia told me to pick. Do you want Ron Simmons or do you want Vader? I said, I'll take Ron. <laughs> I didn't even mm -hmm. hesitate. I took Ron. And mm -hmm. I went to introduce myself to Ron. And Ron gave me a two count that night. Did you know that? Yeah. It was my hometown. I don't know why he did it. I'm like, get kick out. I'm like, I'm like freaking out almost. Like, I'm going to get so much. And I thought I'd be killed if they let me pin him. Uh -huh. But mm -hmm. um, he kicked out. I remember even like Cornette and um, – that was the that was the show where they were trying to tell T, a T Rantula, not to look like a biker. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 I said to Cornette, I go, Jim, Jim, he came out of his mother's womb looking like a biker, <laughs> like a Harley Davidson. Jacket. You know, because you know they had the uh, the the DOA, the Harris twins there, and yeah, everything. He's like, don't look like a biker. Yeah, try not to look like a biker. <laughs> really? Wow. So, but. But yeah, that because I remember that I, I took Ron, I had Ron Simmons that night. Ron was fine with me; he was cool. Um, but you, Leon was like real white with you. That, that yeah. was the first time he was stiff as shit. Yeah, the first time I had nothing. Well, to do with him. I think it, it it was part of an angle because he was uh, working. Um, I, I want to say he, he was um, he was going to be on a on a pay per view with Shamrock is what it was. Oh, so he was purpose. You know, so I think there was a reason for that. You know, because if, if, you know. if he started hurting job guys at Vince. Like 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 enhancement guys with Vince like he did it with Turner, he Vince wouldn't have put up with it. Yeah, I mean, oh, oh yeah, yeah, but here, here's the thing too. You know, he dropped me. He dropped me. You know, very, um, you know, very squarely. You know, I mean, it's, I, you know, he wasn't trying to hurt. You. He wasn't trying to hurt me. Yeah, let me put it to you that way. You can work snug and you can work stiff, but he wasn't yeah. trying to hurt me. Were you there? I told Maurice this story with uh, the Mark Henry incident with me. Were you there for that? I think you I, were. I might have been. Yeah. It, it, this, this, I can't remember. Well, this was 96. I told Maurice this story 
Uh, this was 96. It was, at, it was right after SummerSlam. You know, Mark Henry came in. He, he kind of had a spot. He was still training. They were trying to teach him and train him before shows. And he had five different guys tell him five different things. It, it actually took him to go to OVW with Danny Davis and Rick Rogers to kind of straighten him out and get him going, which was probably the best thing for him was to go down there and mm-hmm. learn how to work. Um, but he had like kind of – I don't know. He kind of like had an attitude about him. So I'm, I'm standing at the at the, the the rundown sheet. I'm trying to see what hour I was working, and I, I knew I was working Steve Austin that night. Okay. And and I'm like, okay. So I'm, I got I got. Well, that was Cincinnati. Though. That was Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah, that was Cincinnati. And all of a sudden, I feel this guy walk by and he throws his shoulder into me. Do you remember that? And I'm no, like, I, don't, I, I turned around and I looked at him. I'm like, well, what the fuck was that? And <laughs> he kind of looks at me and I said, "Fuck you." I just don't know. No, you don't do that shit. Like, I don't think he knew. Like, you can't just do that. You treat everybody like equals. We treat we treat each other with respect. And I said, before you take another step, I know how to wrestle and you don't. That's what I said to him. And he walked away and I'm like, motherfucker. I was like, I was mad. But then I remember I worked the match with Steve and Steve was laying it in. But that had nothing to do with that. Steve was hyped up because this was going to air. He had a thing with Pillman. Not Pill- he had the thing with Pillman, yeah. but he was wrestling Bret Hart at Survivor Series. And it, it, that aired, that match aired three weeks before he worked Bret Hart at Survivor Series. So I, I took I took that as an honor that they put me in the ring with him on TV like that mm-hmm. before a big mm-hmm. match. But it but mm-hmm. he, he was playing it in, which was fine. I was just I was fine. But he had to Vince <laughs> made him apologize. <laughs> but here's the thing too. I mean, sure you work with guys that laid it in and stuff. It's for TV. Yeah. First of all, it's for TV. Yeah, but like uh, other times, you got guys that cry about little things. Oh, fuck. You know, I, I remember like uh, Jimmy Lee told me the one time he's like, you know, we were just explaining something, and he's, uh, you know, and he's like, you know, well, if 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 someone can't take this, they don't belong. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's just that simple. We're bigger people. We're you know, we're not fragile, or mm-hmm. you shouldn't be. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't. Well, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You, you, wrestlers used to to be bigger people. I, I would say there's yeah. There's you're right. You know, yeah. That yeah. that we were, that definitely. We were, we were too small. Yeah, we were told we were too small. We were, and now I look at these guys, and you got Daniel Bryan's like half my size, if that. Darby Allen. What? Darby Allen. Darby Allen. Yeah, another one. I mean, well, Mike from Parma mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Yeah, he's from Parma. Yeah. I remember I, think I, said, I cut a promo on him once. It was no. I said I've been kicking guys' asses from Parma my whole life, so you don't scare me. I said something like that, Mike. Yeah, which is fine. I mean, I my, my, I, I, I knew his dad too. I know, I know Mike. It's just, it's always Mike to me. It's kind of funny. Uh, it, um, God, who's the other guy that's like real small that we were just kind of like looking around, like how, how does this guy? Oh, that the the, the Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, well, Ziggler. Yeah, Ziggler. Ziggler was a good wrestler at St. Ed's, and he was a really good wrestler. I, I, I can't. I can't. Yeah. So he would. He he had. I mean, but he had his th- younger brother. Yeah. Oh, Ryan. Yeah, Ryan. Yeah. I think didn't he have problems with the training people at uh, yeah. at Florida with um, Bill Demont. Okay. There was that scandal. Was he was part of that? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Bill. I don't know what Bill was doing. I wasn't there. So there's ways to train people because I've trained guys. I've actually Eric. The uh, Viking Raider was Ray Rowe. I yeah, broke yeah. I broke in Ray. Wow. Yeah, so I knew Ray when he was he was 17, and he was a student at St. Ignatius High School. I helped break him in. He knew how to wrestle. Ray knew how to wrestle. I had to teach him how to work. I had to teach mm-hmm. him how to, like, understand the psychology of putting a match together. And, yeah, I, I, you know what I wish was around when we broke in in the early 90s? We didn't have YouTube. Yeah, old VHS mm-hmm. tapes, you can watch matches and kind of get an idea. But, man, we didn't have podcasts of, of guys that had all this knowledge that are just telling you this stuff. You could listen to that and just pick up on what they're saying mm-hmm. and get it. Like, mm-hmm. okay, my, my the night I dropped the NWA national belt, it was about eight years, a little bit over eight years ago. Mm-hmm. It was in Nashville, Tennessee. I dropped it to Jack Stane. In that locker room, okay, Tracy Smothers, Jerry Lynn, Superstar Bill Dundee. You know who the only one was talking to him? Me. Nobody, no, none of the other young guys in that locker room came over and even talked to them. You had like there's a the respect thing. I'm, I'm sitting there going, do you see the now? Do you know the knowledge you have here? Just with Bill mm-hmm. Dundee, yeah. much less Smothers and Jerry Lynn. And Jerry like, remembers uh, from ECW. Yeah. 
like the like the um the individual at AEW who uh the former world champion who indicated that he he didn't need to uh talk to the veterans to uh pick up the knowledge who was that who the fuck Cal- was that? i i even forget his name he's so memorable cowboy jeez it'll come to me um, yeah, I, I'm just we. I, I actually asked him when he got here because we haven't talked like about right. We don't really watch AEW or WWE. Yeah, yeah, we don't. Yeah, we'll watch the old stuff, but we'll watch some of the old. Ha- stuff. No, Hangman Adam Page. There you go. Adam Page. Oh, yeah. Adam Page. Yeah, he said that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Which I did is- see an AEW commercial. Um, guy was doing a hurricanrana, and I looked at the. Look at the guy that worked that works for me. We were at a bar having lunch, and I go, "You see that? I used to be able to do that. <laughs> I used to be able to do our <laughs> What did you do, Arakrana? I did it in my dreams, maybe. Yeah. The well, Lucha remember, remember, you remember my nickname? Oh, Lead Bottom Blue. Lead Bottom Blue. <laughs> was called Lead Bottom Blue. That's like, awesome. shit. But I did when I started throwing drop kicks. I was like, I come back to the locker. Did you guys see my drop kick? Did you guys see my drop kick? It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I can do it. I can do it. I swear. But I was like, let bottom blue. Yeah, Tim Harshman thought that was funny. <laughs> I yeah, I, I wanted to ask you. Was sorry that? to go back to uh, Vader. He he had uh, what was uh, you know universally regarded as a, a disappointing run in uh, the WWF, and uh, a lot of that had to do with uh, Shawn Michaels. I just wanted to get your opinion on uh, that situation if you have one or any interactions that you may have had with sean you know what my interactions with leon he was he was a nice guy to me yeah you know i mean i mean he really was now i mean you heard all the i mean you heard all the things about uh, about sean back in the day you know i'm sure it was you know maybe whatever whatever he, he was into or whatever but we, you know, we never really like were close to them. We we unless we were working with them that night, we really didn't interact that much. We just say, "Hey, what's up?" Yeah, I'm so you know what? One time I overheard somebody ask him some something about uh, um, like a diet or food or something, and you know what? He, he seemed normal. He gave it. He gave a, a smart answer. You know, a, a good answer. I thought. You know, and yeah. you know that was uh, it. I never really really interacted with them. No, 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 not, we never worked with him, but I always thought like he was kind of, I said this before, I think if Sean was here, he would admit to it back then. He he kind of walked around, he carried himself like his shit didn't stink, and he walked mm-hmm. right by you as if you weren't even there, but that was just him, and we were like, we do that, we were just like, yeah, whatever, you know, it wasn't a big mm-hmm. deal. Yeah. But probably the, the probably most down-to-earth guy when we were there, and we, we were friends with him for years, was Mick Foley. Yeah. Mick Foley, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then, when, you know, like Tom Brandy was up there, we knew him. We knew Tom. Um, D-Lo, D-Lo. D-Lo, D-Lo, D-Lo was a really nice guy. D-Lo, D-Lo was cool. Oh, yeah. I, met, I actually met D-Lo at a show in, uh, uh, um, what is, uh, 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 Reading, Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Was, that, was, that, was that for um, Damien Kane? It might have been. Yeah. Yeah, it might Yeah, have I think been. we were on the same show. Yeah. Yeah, I was there because I ended up working this guy. This is a bad crew. I was me and some other guy. I ended up working. I was, I was, mm-hmm. I was, I, I never, I, I saw one podcast. Where Steve Austin was doing an interview, how he's working Yokozuna and he accidentally shit himself because something to do. And I, I came real close that night because I couldn't find a bathroom, a shitter at that building. And I was so worried. That was the thing I was scared of. It's like my bump, am I going to crap myself in the ring? That was, I was my biggest fear in the bed. I didn't care about getting hurt. I just didn't want to shit. Well, and then the difference too there was uh, that's when we first found that all the rings are just not all just like stiff, like around where we started. Yeah, you know, I mean, we were like, oh, you, took a, you, you, took, you took a bump, and you're like, that's it. Wow, that's it. That's it. Yeah, but well, yeah, the, we had a lot of stiff rings in Ohio. Well, okay, so just just so you know, like, you ever heard these horror stories back in the old days when you try to get into business, try to break in? Well, they have a way of weeding you out. Charlie's mm-hmm. way, he didn't have a bunch of guys beat you up until you finally quit or kept coming back. Okay, we could do something with them. You bumped in his ring. And if you can take that, if you can train through that, then you get you you you're, you're cut out to do it. That's the way he did it. That's, yeah, the ropes like, were loose. You didn't. Mm. Yeah, there was no. I'm gonna jump up. I'm gonna go to the top rope. Yeah. You know. 
he Frank, you're about three years older than me, I think. Yeah. Okay. So he started training at I was 19 when I started training in 93, and I was naive. I didn't know shit. And I was just a kid. And I'm bumping in this ring and it's hard as hell and the ropes hurt. All this I like I'd get home and I'm like hunched over, but I kept coming back. I kept coming back. After about a month, I think Billy, one of the trainers, kind of smart me up saying yeah not all the rings are like this this is this is this is the, this is a training ring i'm like oh mm. okay good i might actually be able to to walk in my 30s right, yeah. that's good to know <laughs> it was just like all right good well it was just kind of but then yeah because when i started working independent shows i think it was about i started working matches at about two months after tra I started yeah, training training. i was working matches yeah. two months after training which was crazy oh, yeah i was gonna ask you that I'm yeah gonna... yeah yeah because i um well, well, my first match was a battle royale, which was on my 20th birthday. And then a week later, I think we were, I saw you at JT Lightning's Cleveland All-Pro show uh -huh. at the WrestlePlex in Cleveland. I ended up wrestling with Thin Pizza. <laughs> Sin Panza. Yeah. Sin Panza was his name. He's a Puerto, little Puerto Rican guy, Be And then... Um, you know, kind of like the size of the, most guys now. Yeah, he was... You know, mm -hmm. it, it didn't make sense for him to go over on me. It didn't. It mm -hmm. just... I kind of... I said, what do you want? I goes, he goes, yeah, you. You go over however you want. That's all it was. That was, that, was, that, was, that was the instruction I got for the match. And I was like, green as grass. Mm -hmm. um, but but when I started working mother matches, I said, ah, this is nicer. Okay. Yeah, here we go. Mm -hmm. It was like, well, mm -hmm. what it was, was they were Ted Petty rings. You know, Ted oh, yeah. had like uh, four rings. And um, he had a nice setup. He was in the moving business. Because I got to know him later on. And, you know, so he, he set up the truck so it was easy to unload and everything. And, dude, they were, they were beautiful. They were real soft rings. Real soft rings. Yeah, they were nice. They were nice. The Ted Patty's rings were nice. Yeah. I think uh, the ECW ring was really soft. That's That surprised me. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, though, mm -hmm. WWE I think that was originally a Ted Petty ring because he was, was he was actually supplying the ring at the beginning for them. Yeah. Well, I, but also the WWF rings, they were stiffer. Than normal independent rings. Yeah. I remember back, like, here's a 22 by 22 ring, yeah. a big ring. It was stiff. They didn't start lightening up the rings until Vince started bumping in them. Boy, what a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny how that works. Yeah, when the boss starts bumping in it, hey, we got to gotta soften that ring up. Yeah. I'll, I'll get to the question from uh, Maurice in a minute, but, but you mentioned uh, Vince McMahon there. Did both of you, did you have any notable uh, interactions with him during your tenure there? He said hello. Yeah, he said hello. The one time I had my match with Mark Merrow in Columbus, uh -huh. and he 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 was going through something where he was like on headset, and he's getting more involved in production stuff. And after the match, he took off his headset, he looked at me, and said, "Thank you very much." I said, "Thank you for having me," and that's all I said. <laughs> I, said I kept mm. going. I went and shook Mark's hand, and Sable was with them then, and I said, "Guys, thank you. It was a blast." Because I think I think what it was is that was right after the SummerSlam when Mark worked Goldust. And I always, this is one thing that the boys liked about me. I could say, I don't, I mean, was that if I saw something they did that I thought would get them over on TV, we'd, I'd make sure we do it in the ring. We'd do it on TV, which was, he did that, he did that um, shooting star press mm. on um, on that. And it was, um, that people popped when he did it on Gold Dust. So I told them, I said, but that finish me with that. He goes, he looks at me, are you sure? And I said, yeah, 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 I'll take it. No problem. He's like, all right. He's like, you he surprised. He was like really happy. I did. I was willing to take it because I guess not too many people were comfortable with it. And I just knew like in like the, the key to it, whenever you take a splash like that, you got to rise up to, to absorb the shock. And that's what I did. And yeah, Mark was great. Mark, Mark and I had a really good match that night. I, I, he's one of the best human beings I've ever met there. He was really a nice guy. I like mm -hmm. Mark Merrill. So, yeah, uh, but that was my only interaction with Vince was that really. I never really talked to him. The only people talked to Shane for a, a few minutes one time. It was just, Shane you know, cordial, you know, like, how you doing? I got a story with Shane. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, it was it. I mean, I don't want being, you know? Yeah. Um, this was back in 99 when those Bluetooth things were new. Yeah, yeah. So Shane's sitting in a chair. He's by himself in this area in the backstage area. I'm walking by, and I hear him talking. I can't tell he had something in his ear. And I thought he was talking to me. I was like, what, what, what? What? Sorry. What? What do you? What do you need from me? And, and he's just, he just kind of waved, like, go away. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. I was like, what the? F I'm like, I thought, I thought I was crazy. I was like, did I do something wrong? I was like, <laughs> I was because like, I thought he was talking to me, but he had the, he had the Bluetooth in his. It was brand new technology at the time. I'm like, 
dude, talk on the phone like a normal person. So I know you're not talking to me. I'm just sitting here thinking. I still find that disconcerting. Maurice wanted to ask about your thoughts on Ric Flair and Sting and his uh, sentiment there. Did you see that last night? Flair uh, debuted in AEW and uh, is going to somehow be involved in Sting's retirement angle. Oh, oh okay, good, good. For hey, Flair needs a payoff. Well, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure of that, but at the same time, I mean, you know, Sting's comfortable with them. Yeah, you know? yeah, Steve. Yeah, good for Steve. Good for Rick. Yeah, absolutely. I think. Um, I think there was something recent when Dutch Mantel was talking about. Like Flair was talking and he was just like babbling like was he drunk or just you know i'm not sure what it was but you know i i really i really look at flair he was somebody we idolized and we like my god mm-hmm. we wish we could work like this guy this guy i mean he goes out there put on our broadways like it was nothing with a broomstick with like mm-hmm. it was nothing and this guy you know. could do it like it was nothing and it just that the thing was is that he never he had all this other discipline in his life but he wasn't good with his money and he wasn't good with his family or with, with women in his life or with alcohol. I mean, he had all this other discipline to keep himself fit, to keep himself ready. He could go. He didn't miss dates. He worked hurt. He went, he he put himself through all that, but he didn't have that. And it's like, man, that could, that stuff's coming back to bite him in the ass now because he didn't save his money and he didn't, he didn't really take care of what was really what's important. My, my, my priority in my life now, it's not going mm. out winning title belts. It's not going out working matches. I'm a father first. Mm. You know, I have two, mm. I have an eight year old, a six year old daughter. I'm a husband. I have a wife. Mm. So it's just kind of like, I'm taking care of my family. Now it, the wrestling thing, I'm, my girls are old enough now to ask questions and I'll answer them. But, mm. uh, but mm. that's, that's what I'm thinking. Just kind of getting away from flair. I think, I, I mean, I hope, I hope it works out for him. I hope he does great. I, I mean, he's like a hero to us and to Frank. And it's just what, you know, why couldn't he just save his money? So he doesn't have to do this stuff anymore. And he can but just he sure enjoy like great stories. Oh, oh my God. God. Does he have great oh. stories? I mean, I've heard him on, you know, yeah. Yeah. Great. So I mean, he's podcast. been everywhere. been with all, all of them. Yeah. yeah. He actually talked about like the loudest, reactions he's heard while he's in the ring and they're coming to the ring and he said three people let me see it three it was carrie von eric mm. Hulk Hogan, and steve austin that had the mm. loudest eruption when they came to the ring mm-hmm. that's what he said and i remember seeing that and i was like man could you imagine being in the ring and the guy you're working and he's so over you're like this is easy <laughs> this is gonna be easy yeah. i mean you just know it's mm. a night off as they say did did either of you have any uh, we talk a lot about guys that, that worked uh, shots for the WWF during the era. They had, uh, well, some some interactions with the Ultimate Warrior, some not notable, some not. Did did either of you encounter Mr. Helwig at all during your, your tenure? No. no, he wasn't there when we were there. No. Oh, okay. No, he wasn't there. No, he, he no. was he was long fired at that yeah, point. Yeah, he, he, he wasn't there. Yeah, it was right. We, we came in on a regular basis around SummerSlam in 96. And oh, okay. like 94. We did, we each did, we each did some shots in 94, yeah. but then really coming back regularly was 96 where they called us. Yeah. 94 was done through Charlie. Yeah. Yeah. And we, I was green. I was green as grass when I did that. I'll, I'll never, yeah. I'll, I got a whole story about that, but I mean, if you want to go. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, it was what it was, but yeah, kind of more. Yeah. Uh, 96. It was more regular more regularly yeah yeah there, and i think a lot of that was uh well strongbow called my house which surprised yeah, me. strongbow would call you yeah which and then when once strongbow was uh I, I don't know if he i think he might have been gone already but then uh cornet would call you yeah after yeah strongbow kind of retired he had health issues i think at that time he was he was like yeah I'm trying to remember. You know, was remember the coolest part was Arnold Scullin with the pay table and he oh, yeah. and his briefcase and he pay us. <laughs> We're all in line with oh, yeah. Goulet too, Renee, yeah, Renee, 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 oh, yeah, yeah. Renee and Gurria, the way they yell at each other, it was awesome. It was like the two the two old Muppets. It was yeah. hilarious. <laughs> and you couldn't laugh. You couldn't say a goddamn word when you're in there. Yeah. You're just like. And then afterwards, we in the car, we're joking about it. We're like, dumb it, Rune. <laughs> we would yell at him. Yeah. <laughs> I wish Tony would. I, I haven't. Um, Tony's still around. No, Tony's. Yeah, Goulet's not. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony, but I think the last time there was, he was at uh, Cauliflower Alley Club. Mm-hmm. I think was that. Yeah. I, I, I haven't been to that in a long time. I, 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 God, 
once once the kid came around, I started, I really stopped traveling when the first baby was born. Mm -hmm. uh, but have you ever gone to CAC? Yes. Yep. I'm a, a lifetime member. I was last there in 2019 and we're going this next upcoming reunion and we're going to be covering it for Cheap Heat uh, Productions and the Hannibal TV. So looking forward oh, cool. to that. Cool. Yeah. Very I look much. forward to that. Yeah. One of these days, I mean, now that the girls are getting older, I might be able to make it out there. I mean, I haven't been a member because I kind of wipe pay for this membership. I'm not going to come out. And mm. I went there and I was representing the NWA when I was there because I was our national champion and Rob was the world champion at the time. Um, God, what was I going to say? Uh, there was, a, oh, oh, the, the, the first, because I like to tell this story um, like the first year that I had in the pro wrestling business was probably my toughest. I think anybody would say that because you're not established. Nobody knows who you are. You kind of show up at shows hoping it's, to a, it's a new experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it's de sometimes dealing with people and understanding, you know, where they're going or whatever and their agenda, where your, what your yeah. place is there, you know, yeah. and learning to respect things. Cause I, I mean, I, I'm not saying I was treated badly at the wrestling school, but it was kind of, I didn't think anybody liked me. But it was just that I was—I had to prove myself. That's what it was. You, which is, you know, it's probably good that I did that because anywhere I went where I was new, I kind of understood that. Like, okay, shake hands, be cool, you know your place, get your spot in the locker room, introduce yourself. You're just as good as they are. They're no, you know, you're no better than they are. You're, they're all your equals. That's how I kind of learned that. But I remember, like before, that was '94, and I was wrestling for about a year. I was working a year and I had, I got sent to WWF. Gurria asked all of us, like, how long you've been working? I said a year. I was honest. I didn't want to lie. Like, I didn't, because, and they said, why did you say you should have said two? I was like, but, but, but Gurria said, get your stuff on, get in the ring with Derek. Derek Stone was the other guy. Do a couple spots and see what you can do. And he goes, okay, you're working tonight. So I was like, all right. And I'm getting Bob Holly. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was Sparky Plug at the time. Mm. And th th this is just, a, I'm, I'm not, this is, a, it's kind of a long story, but it, it makes sense. Right. If I explain this to you, because what I did was, I, I told this story before, Bob, Bob's a great guy, okay? But he was really green at the time. This was 94. Chris Hamrick was back there. And this, Chris and I have been friends ever since. I kind of said, hey, what do you know about the Sparky Plug guy? And he goes, oh, my God, he sucks. I'm like, what do you mean? Tell me more. I'm like, I gotta work this guy. He's like, he's gonna throw you off the ropes and not say a word to you. He's gonna be stiff with his elbow. He's gonna be stiff with his knee. And just, you know, man, just, yeah, just beware. I'm like, oh, okay, thanks. So I get out there. I talk about. We go through a few things that he wants to do. We get out there. He whips me off the ropes. Uh, 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 he's trying to call the spot, and I saw him set up for an elbow, so I took the bump. And then he picked me up, and he was gonna do it again. I just said, I'm halfway across, and I said, drop kick me. Boom, he drop kicks me. Then I started calling stuff. I just just kind of mm. did what I was trained to do. But before I went out there with Charlie for because I'm there representing the school, they pulled me aside and they said, You don't act like an asshole, you be professional, do as you're told, don't make us look bad. I'm like, okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm like, all right, yeah, no mm. problem. So I did so it's all common sense. It's all common sense stuff, but they're pretty much letting me know you're new, you're the rookie, don't be an idiot. All mm. right. Mm -hmm. Don't stupid. Don't make Charlie look bad. He's putting he's putting his neck out for you. Then, mm -hmm. um, so I end up, I'm halfway through the match, and you know this could have been a complete dumpster fire. He gave me a spot to get a couple shots in. We go we go corner to corner. I might have laid a few more in than I should have because <laughs> I wanted to get something in. But I went corner to corner. I come running in, and Bob throws this kick at me in my face, and he just, I mean, I was like, I saw the white flash. I saw my white flash. I'm, I'm he almost knocked me out. I could feel the blood trickling out and the crowd just was like, I could hear the crowd react, but I couldn't see him. <laughs> it was one of those, oh. oh my God, he killed him. And then he went and he was like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, let's keep going. But the camera was shot went wide because the blood was coming down my face. And we kept calling, I kept calling the mess. Say, hey, let's take it home. He's like, yeah, yeah, let's take it home. He apologized to me for it later. I had to put a butterfly inside my lip because of the kick. Everybody came up to me and asked me if I was okay. I said, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I didn't complain. I didn't say anything. The referee in that match was, uh, Earl, I think it was Earl Hebner. Oh, wow. It was Hebner yeah. was the referee. He went to Gurria and he said, the kid called the match and he walked away. And I, I heard him do that and Gurria just nodded. And I guess Gurria called Charlie and said, for him being, being as green as he was, being put in that position, he couldn't have handled himself any better. Which mm -hmm. it wasn't fair. It wasn't a fair situation, but 
could you imagine one of these guys today that really weren't trained on call stuff in the ring being put in that position in front nope. of I'm, I'm, I'm trained. I'm, I'm not even old enough to drink yet. Okay. <laughs> I'm, not, mm -hmm. I'm not, and I'm, I've been, I might've had like five or 10 matches under my belt. I'm in front of 10,000 people being taped for national TV and that, that right there, because right after that happened, I guess word got back to the people at the school I was in. Nice. That, nice. that, was, that was my moment. So sometimes I always kind of look at this, like if I'm going through something difficult for any reason, whether it's something with the job or something with my life or anything, you kind of wonder what, what you always ask yourself, man, what am I supposed to learn through this? What am I supposed to get out of this? So mm -hmm. what I got out of that was, and Bob and I were, were cool ever since because he, he thanked me for the match. He apologized. I said, I'm fine, man. Thanks. No problem. But when I got into that car, remember for years, I used to, I motherfucked that guy left and right. I was pissed because <laughs> I was like, what the hell? I had to call the match. God damn it. But, you know, Bob, Bob stayed there and he even talks about it. Like, I guess that was like the worst time of his life when he was there. He hated it because he, he was scared for his job. You know, you know, he, he goes, Vince will look at me sideways. Now, I guess now he's well, he, he works as a welder and he's got a family and he's happy. It's a good for him, man. God bless him. Mm -hmm. I hope he's doing great. Mm -hmm. I hope he is. But it, like, I, I like, I, I know I kind of got long winded on this story, but I always like to tell people, especially when things aren't necessarily fair, which happens all the time. Mm -hmm. You might look back on this and go, man, there was a reason why I went through that. There's a reason. Mm -hmm. and I had to learn a lesson through this. So that's what usually what life throws at you. And I think Frank would agree too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and, and he he remembers. He just have to miss the uh, the, you know, that miss uh, the bus that's going to drop on you. Speaking of which, uh, Frank, I wanted to ask you about a match you had uh, in '98 with uh, the Road Warriors, the Legion of Doom, at that time with uh, yeah with Sonny. What was I? I've you know, I was a long-standing fan of them growing up. Had yeah, a yeah. picture in my locker was, room. Was pushing the weights. Wanted to be, you know, hawk and animal. What was it like working with them at that stage of their career, which wasn't uh, uh, I, well um, the best? Well, it was it was pretty quick. It was a short match, but um, we talked to Joe, and I mean that just that just right there. Uh, what a gentleman. Mm. I, I mean, just what a gentleman, you know. I mean, I maybe said uh, talked a couple words back and forth with um with Hawk, but really it was all Joe. And um, I asked him about taking the Doomsday device, and you know, mm -hmm. he's like, he just looked at me and said, "Don't worry, I will protect you." That's all I needed to hear. Yeah, you know, that's good that they actually said that. Don't yeah, protect you. You, you know, and he and he explained it to the mechanics of how that works and everything. Yeah, because it's not that hard to do. I mean, no, it, no, he just kicks your he kicks your uh, legs up in the in the air, so you don't land on your head. Exactly, your momentum takes you over. Exactly. You yeah, and uh, you know, and that's something that Charlie Fulton always said: don't take anything the guy can't tell you how to take. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, that's true. You know. Yeah, because I remember I had when I had Ron's in it with his finisher, I wasn't sure, but he kind of explained it to mm -hmm. me. And I just was okay. A lot of times I'll, I'll I'll do this, like especially when it's for TV or real important. I'm like walking through this. I'm like kind of get so I can figure it out in my head how do we do this. And but most of the time if they want to okay, I want to make sure I do it right. I want to make sure you look good giving it to me. So how do we well, walk me through it? They're they're cool with it. They're like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's find let's find a place with some with some room. You know? yeah, there were, yeah, Joe was total gentleman. Yeah, Joe 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 and Mike were always cool when I was there. I never worked with them, but mm -hmm. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that was um, uh, that was actually the day that uh, Tom Brandy walked out of the WWF. Because um, I was going up, it was it was in um, uh, it was in um, it, it, it was in New York, uh, not upstate New York, but it was um, Syracuse. It was okay. in Syracuse at the um, and oh, I was yeah. going up the steps. He was coming down the steps, and hey, how you doing? And uh, he goes, I'm out of here. I go, oh, you, they don't have you working today? He goes, no, I'm done. He goes, uh, you yeah. know, he just wanted to be used more, I guess, is, you know, yeah. what he elaborated to me. And then, you know, I'm yeah. sure I'll see you down the line here. Yeah. You know, on he some back, indie show. He went back to doing indies after that. Yeah. Now, was that, was that, because uh, there was a guy that we, when we watched the doc, uh, Bigger, Faster, Stronger, Mike Bell. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. when I first watched it, I said, I, we met him. And uh, yeah, I, we met him. We before. met, I think that was, I think it was there. I think he, he went, uh, anytime we were up in state New York, Mike was around. And that, that's where, he, I, yeah, he might have been on the show. I, I think he I was. I think probably. He was. You know? Yeah, but he, I just, because we just, right, I said, I know that guy. I saw it. I said, mm-hmm. I know that guy. It was just interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's no longer with us, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Sad, sad story and sad, uh, sad documentary in some ways. A lot of them. Lou, in terms, I wanted to ask you uh, about a match that you had with uh, Brian Pillman. It was a Superstars oh, yeah. taping yeah. in 97. And what do you think of how uh, Pillman Jr., I, I'm not sure if you're aware of how he's being presented, but he's getting the, the Michael McGillicuddy treatment, and uh, they've given him a, a different name. And uh, anyway, uh, anyway, just wanted yeah, to get your thoughts on working Pillman and then uh, his uh, son, if you had any interaction. Actually, Frank will back me up on this story. Um, I got filming that night, and I was talking to Mick Foley about it, and he goes, are you sure you want to do that? And I said, what do you mean? He goes, he's not one of our best workers right now, and I don't know if it will help you. And I looked at Mick, and I said, Mick, I'm not in a position to say no. I can't say no here. I have to do it. So I I was cool with it. And I I talked with Brian, and he had that voice, and he was walking around. I said he didn't want to do much. And which kind of surprised me. I'm flying Brian. You know, I'm thinking in my mind, he's going to want to do a bunch of high spots, all this stuff. I'm going to take all these cool moves. He goes, I'm too old for that now, which it was post-accident, you know. And he was not in the best of health, to, to say that. And all I remember being in the ring with him, I remember Owen Hart that night said, you got Brian tonight? I said, yeah. And he goes, don't let him spit on me, which he ended up spitting on me anyway. <laughs> and... um he, he just wasn't in the best of all. I remember being in the ring with him, working with him. And I'm thinking like, this guy should not be in the ring. He was, he, he had to take a lot of drugs to get through it, but he was doing it to feed his family. And I can respect that. But I think if he would have done something else, like worked in an insurance office, did found something else to do, he'd still be alive. Um, great guy. He, he gave me a little bit, very little bit, but I mean, I was putting him over. I knew it. And him and I worked together. Uh, had a good match with him, and um, I remember afterwards. You remember that we're in the we're in the locker room area, and in the in the locker room area, we can hear him dry heaving in the bathroom. Brian, and he was like, ah, ah, ah. like you sound like he was dying, and we were looking at each other like, should we get somebody? What should we do? But then we look across the room. There's Mick Foley and Shawn Michaels just talking to each other, and they're acting like it's no big deal. So we didn't, we didn't get anybody. And I think it was like two months later he died. And I'm like, wow. I mean, I remember just thinking like, this guy shouldn't be in the ring. And if you, mm. you recall that story, like when he was- yeah, yeah, vaguely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because we, we were like- I can't remember everything anymore, but you gotta remember it was the 90s, the unprotected chair shots on TV shows, you know? Yeah, and he, he was, yeah, he was a good dude. I mean, yeah, it was, it, the match went great. I remember like, he was not, he was light as hell. And I remember too, we were talking like, cause I had, my back was a little bit sore and he goes, yeah, I worked cause I worked the show the night before. And it's like, Oh, because it was an independent show. And I said, yeah. And you never know what kind of ring you're going to get in an independent show. He goes, you never know what kind of worker either. I said, that's true. I said, that's true, Brian. But you know, he was, he was real happy with me and he, him and I got along great. And, you know, I really, um, I, I really wish, you know, he was still with us now with his son, they, 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 with McGill, like Curtis Axel treatment, as you want to call it that, like it's Kurt Henning's kid, yes. and they want to call him Curtis Axel. And yes, it, it, it was it killed him. It was stupid. I mean, Larry the Axe Henning's grand grandson. I mean, he's a third generation guy. And you, uh, so what what are they doing to him, with him? It's it's, it's it's sad. You know what? You, uh, can I just tell you what it is? It's just a symptom of what's wrong with WWE. And I'll say it. They have a bunch of people that don't know their ass from a hole in the ground about wrestling, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. These things. And they think it's a cool name and it's a cool gimmick, but they don't understand that there's a history and there's a lineage to this. And his father, he is Brian Pillman Jr. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I, 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 he might not, he might want to try to do something without his father's name. I don't know. I, I've never met him. I never talked to him. I'm actually Facebook friends with Brian's sister, Linda. And, you know, and he, he, you know, he's, he, I, 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 I feel for it because I hope it works. I, I could prove me wrong, gimmick, but it sounds like shit. Just listening to you, it's just, I cringed when I heard that. I was like, God, he can work. I watched him work. 
I mean, mm-hmm. he, he, no, man, he, he's like, you know, he, he actually, I, he's, he's bigger than his dad was. I think. Yeah. He's a little bit taller. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Didn't, um, God, I'm so sad too, because his mother passed away recently. Melanie did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember seeing the dark side of the ring with them and I couldn't believe how, uh, how can I put this? I'm going to be nice. She aged. The, mm-hmm. the lifestyle she lived caught up with her. She ended up aging. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm getting a bunch of push notifications on my phone <laughs> while you're doing this. But because she was she was gorgeous. I remember that Melanie mm-hmm. was a beautiful woman. Tragic. I hope it works out for him. But I just think it's a symptom of like these people that are writing these shows now. They're like college kids that don't know anything. And it's just, oh, they, they, they wouldn't have come close to being a, in a booking office 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. It wouldn't even, it would have never have happened. Never. Yeah, it's it's almost setting somebody up for failure because they also want to own the intellectual property as well, right? But that doesn't make any sense. You want to make money. You want to draw money. Do your best to draw money. Don't try to kill a guy just for the sake of killing it. That's That doesn't make sense to me. Do do yeah. do what's best to draw money. I mean, it, it's stupid. Like if for for some reason, if Hogan's kid Nick wanted to work, we, are they gonna are they gonna come up with some stupid gimmick name for him? If it was Nick Hogan, I mean, I don't know if he ever would, but it's just it's just something like that. Or or I, well, Dave, um, they have Reed Flair. I remember God Lord mm-hmm. rest his soul, but um, mm-hmm. David wrestled for a little bit too. But eh, you know, if, if if somebody if somebody that famous was my dad that big of a name in the business was my dad. I don't know if I would have done well, it. This isn't justifying it, but you got to remember too, it's a tough act to follow. Very tough. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. maybe that could be one of the reasons, you know, but yeah. you know, sometimes it's a tough act to follow. I mean, look at the, uh, you know, uh, David and Bruno Sammartino, you know, you know, Oh God. Oh, that's another experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I wanted to actually ask you about that. That you guys had a match with David and uh, the Living Legend Larry's Nabisco in 2010 WrestleFest, and that and that jumped right out at me. Can you can you talk about that one? You go. Yeah. First. You go first. You yeah. Go first. Um. That was. Um. It, I was this close to kicking the shit out of David San Martino. Yeah. <laughs> really? So, anyways, uh, Lou and I traveled there and back. So I think I left my vehicle at, at Lou's house yeah. at the time. I lived in Garfield Heights. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, you know, we're getting out of the vehicle to grab our bags and, you know, we're saying goodbye. And I'm like, Lou, do you know you got the you got a, a boot print on your face? Yeah, that's how stiff he was. He left, he left his foot. Yeah, his, 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 uh, his boot print was on Lou's face. That's how stiff David was. Yeah. And I, I remember because we he didn't want to talk. He didn't want to talk out there. And uh you know, I, I think he wanted to work an hour. Yeah, he just kept going. He kept doing his own thing. And we're, like, looking at each other, like, what, what do we do? I mean, okay. it, it, it wasn't. We, we and the thing was, off. after a while, the match isn't going anywhere. You're just, going you know, I mean, it's just, yeah. a, it's just a hamster on the treadmill, you know? Well, even even Mick and, like, Mick, Mick Foley was the referee of that match. And yeah. Mick, Mick was kind of like, like, what, what do we do? And I remember just telling him, I had him in a hold. And I'm like, Larry, just leave. Because the whole the whole the whole thing was we were, yeah, we're like Larry, please leave. Because we were, should I go now? Yeah. <laughs> should I go now? <laughs> Just go. Because we're deaf, we could have called everything out loud. Yeah, it was hearing impaired audience. True. True. But um, because the whole the whole the whole plan of the match was we were going to get a ton of heat on David when it came time to give the hot tag and everybody was expecting the hot tag, Larry leaves him. And then we come in and do, 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 do. And I think something else happens. And we do a spot with Grog and he gets the, the, the Mick Foley Sacco, yeah. the referee or something. That's what it was. And I remember, I don't even think I, I don't even think I showered. I just changed my clothes and got in the car and I just sat there. We didn't, we didn't even talk to each other. We weren't mad at each other. We were just mad. Everybody knew we were pissed. Because I remember saying to Sean Patrick, the referee, I said, don't ever work your heroes. Because <laughs> we were looking, we were excited. We were looking forward to it. I, dude, I, I, I love Larry. Larry's we love Larry Nabisco. Yeah, we, and David said, I get to work. The only reason why I didn't shoot on him was a respect to his father. I had so mm-hmm. much respect for his dad. But I think everybody said Bruno wouldn't have cared if I did it. But, um, yeah, he, well, we had we had opening spot worked out. And then 
we had one thing worked out. He came up to me and said, hey, let's do this instead. I said, okay, we can do that. And then when we went out there, he did what we originally planned. I'm like, Jesus. I'm like, this is going to be a long night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what happened. Well, yeah. Yeah, because it was well, just. You know the ironic thing about that, though? The night before we worked the show, and um, two girls worked each other, and it didn't. And um, it just they didn't work together very well. One girl wanted to do one thing, another girl, the other girl wanted to do something else. And I remember kind of talking to the one girl. I go, hey, you know, sometimes you just gotta keep it simple. You know, if they don't want to do something, they don't want to do something. You can't make them yeah. exactly. You know, that's their right not to take certain move or whatever. That's their, you know, you know, they have a right to protect themselves. You know, if they're not comfortable. So. Yeah. You know, it's kind of ironic that the next day you have kind of, you know, kind of happens to us. Yeah, I remember just, I remember just because he was doing all kinds of stuff. He kept, he kept like doing whatever he wanted, and we kept cutting him off and cutting him off. Yeah, we kept on cutting him off, and it was just like, it's like, you know, the whole treadmill thing all over again, and it's just like, yeah, you know, you know, you got to stop and just go to the end already. It's just like we just, I just put him in a full Nelson and told Barry to leave. I said, just yeah. get out of here. Just go. I don't care. Then when he left, they reacted. Yeah. They were, the crowd reacted. We're like, oh, okay. Maybe it wasn't as bad as we thought. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, and some people were, we saw what some people were saying about it online. They were like, oh, they got a ton of heat on David. And he did, wait, wait, they, they thought the ring psychology was good. And I'm going, oh, okay. I guess so. <laughs> well, yeah, right. I kind of went, all right. I guess so. I guess it worked out. But yeah. yeah. We want to try, try to block that one out. So. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I was surprised. I, as soon as you said that, we kind of went, "Oh Jesus!" Yeah, and I think. But Larry's awesome. Larry was funny. Yeah, Larry was funny. Larry's awesome. He went outside and smoked a cigarette after he left. <laughs> That's what he did. Like, thanks, Larry. Thanks for your help. Because he's and even then went to the, the corner going and looking at Mick, saying, "None of this makes any sense." It's like, tell us about it. Really, uh, there was like five of us on the same page. Then there was David that did whatever the fuck he wanted, and he was ta- he was talking in an Italian accent the whole. Oh time. yeah, yeah, like, he's from. He's from Pittsburgh, and he's talking yeah, in Italian you know, accent. What's like, going on? Yeah, I don't understand. And I'm, we're like, come on, really? We're like, why do you steal your dad's accent? Well, it could be that Pittsburgh education. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I don't you know, know. What to do? What am I supposed to do? Yeah. That's oh, I remember. Yeah, that was just like, he's trying to sound like Dominic Danucci. I remember what did Danucci say about him? Lord rest his soul. Love that, yeah. man. Oh, oh man. Dominic was awesome. Well, yeah, and he'll tell, he'll tell you straight. Yeah, David's a fucking dumb. He's a fucking dumb. That's what he said about David Samartino. He's a fucking dumb. Yeah. Well, yeah. Go ahead. Go he ahead. certainly he's this. This is maybe part of the reason why he didn't have a more successful uh, career, despite having the oh. the family name. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. He, he was. Well, I mean, didn't he put over like a, a, a mid card job guy? No, like, it was Ron. The Phantom Submission match with Ron yeah, Shaw. Ron Shaw. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just he wasn't supposed to do that. He just did it. And yeah, because Ron, Ron even says he didn't know it was it was happening. Yeah. Yeah. He had him in the barrack and he just. You know, he submitted. He submitted. The referee rang the bell, and it was like, I think he, I think Ron Shaw was more confused than anything. Yeah, you know, yeah, it was just like, when, you know, from what he, he that said just about to spite it. his dad. Is that why he did that? No, I think he's more spite. I think he's it was more to spite the office. I think he left that night too. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, but but the one thing when I did meet Bruno, um, that was a like, nice guy. Yeah, Bruno was cool. Great guy. And I didn't say anything about David when I talked to him. I think I met him before that match. That yeah, we met. Yeah, we met him like a couple of years before, like yeah. 2007. Yeah, remember when we were at that show in uh, Franklin. Yeah, yeah, and he. Uh, it was it was really cool because he, when I, met, I introduced myself, I said, "Sir, it's an honor to meet you. My name is Lou Marconi," and he just like looks at me, Lou Marconi, Lou Marconi. That's a great name, Lou Marconi. And I'm like, well, "Sir, that's my real name." He's like, "Ah, oh, I'm better," and he hugged me. I'm like, "Oh my." This fucking Bruno San Martino hugging me. I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. I couldn't, I couldn't mm-hmm. wait to tell my dad when I got him. Yeah, there, there was another guy, total gentleman. Yeah, oh, oh, gentleman. great dude. And there's a lot of stories like when he tells his stories about what he went through as a kid that surprised me. Like, I was you know. on my way to uh, what uh, to West Virginia, like a, the day after he passed, and I caught part of a, a Pittsburgh sports talk show. Okay. Uh, sports talk radio station rather and the man on there was talking about bruno and he goes bruno san martino was a beautiful man 
his, for everything, you know, all the things he did for charitable organizations and everything, you know, stuff people don't know about. And, well, you but, know, yeah, he wouldn't be on Instagram showing people his generosity. Mm, exactly. he, just, yeah. he just did it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's really whatever, you know, just what Frank does his stuff for his charities. I do mine for mine. I'm not on Instagram talking about it. I'm not doing it for the attention. I'm not doing it for the for the likes or anything. I do whenever I help out anybody or we help out each other, we do it just because it's the right thing to do. And that's yeah, that's for people to do that. That's old school. We're we're almost burned through the hour, but I wanted to ask you one last question. Please. In '96, you both had a, a world tag team title shot in the WWF. Yes. On superstars against the smoking guns. Yeah. Wanted to ask you how that came about and also your thoughts on Billy Gunn at 60 years old looking like more than a million dollars and, and still performing amazing. at a high level. Amazing. He's an amazing man. Great. great guy. Yeah. Billy Gunn. Yeah, they were nice. They were nice guys. To us. Sonny, Sonny was with them too. Yeah, that. Sonny was with them. I don't think she said one word to us. No. Did she she was she had her agenda. If we couldn't advance her career, then she didn't bother with you. Yeah. But Kurt, Chris, her husband, I knew him at ECW. Great guy. Chris was a man, great human being. And just to be honest, I mean, he deserved better than her. I'll yeah. say it. He did. He did. He was a he was a great human being, great guy. And I miss him. I really do. Uh, but that match, I think we were in the room um, when they had all the enhancement guys together. And they said, who here works as a tag team? Frank and I raised our hand. They said, okay, you got the guns tonight. I think that's how it I happened. I think that's how it happened. Yeah. Wow. yeah I have a better memory than he does. <laughs> but that's kind of how it happened. And then I guess uh, Billy, uh, Billy Gunn came over and talked us through the match and what we're going to do. And they, gave, they let me have a lot, though. Too. Yeah, they, they didn't give yeah. me shit. They gave it all to him. <laughs> I said, I don't care. But no, I, 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 I was, um, I think I took their finisher. And I remember, because that, that was the same night I worked Mark Merrow. And Mark Merrow and I were not supposed to go on until like the fourth hour. And we worked them in the first hour. They moved Mark's match up. So I took the finisher from them, done. People tell me I sucked. I'm walking back. And then all of a sudden, one match happens, and then they put me and Mark out there, and they're like, "You again?" They're <laughs> yelling at me. So oh. I walked out, and uh, it, it, it it was good though. It was, but I was done. I was done for the night, so I was happy. <laughs> but that was Mark's only match that he had, so he asked them to move him up, and they did. So, uh, but I remember that match went pretty smooth. Nothing, nothing off the hook. No, it was yeah. smooth. Yeah. Yeah, they gave Frank out a lot in. Yeah, they, they gave get, they lot. get they gave Frank a lot, which I was happy for him. Anytime I will say this too, just closing, because there are stories of two brothers in Pittsburgh, the Fabian brothers that were working each other. One said he was the other one to get the match out there, kind of like took the match away from his own brother, and there was heat for them together for a while. We would have never have done that to each other. We were actual brothers, I think. And yeah, we when you know, he, when we were all drive, happy for each other. I mean, when, we were we were you know you, you pushed the you know yeah. each other. When he did well, when, when, it, when it was my when it was my turn to put him over in WWF, I did it in a heartbeat. I said, uh, "Yes, absolutely." Remember that? I didn't yeah, even hesitate. Yeah. Sure, I'd put him over anytime. And I think Sean Casey put me over. I had my one. I, that was his. I was his one WWF win. Mm-hmm. My one WWF win was given to me in my hometown as a dark match against Sean Casey, and that was in March of '99. I think you remember. You remember that he the Korea came up with the finish, and I was I was so happy. I said, because then. I think it was like two months later, I put Sean over in Cincinnati. That was his hometown. It's just, it's returning the favors when you get yeah. it. It, it. And I consider Sean a brother too. And it's just, um, Frank and I have been brothers. We've been friends yeah. for what, 30 years now? Yeah. 30 years yeah. we've been friends. And it hasn't had, we, it, we, we've always gotten along. People it's like, they say, you know, not, because we weren't jealous of each other. when he Yeah, was that's successful. the thing. You didn't have any of that. No, I was happy for him. Yeah. He was happy for me. He gets a rat that night. I'm happy for him. I get the rat that night. He's happy for me. Oh. We're just good. <laughs> Give and take. Give and take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, wait, I'm getting the fat one tonight. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Tremendous. Where that, can folks? Right there. You remember that story? Yeah, story. Maybe for part two. For the team, she had a friend with her that was fat. And go, just, just help me here. I'm like, all right, Jesus Christ. That's old school. <laughs> That's old school brotherhood, it's, right there. Yes, yeah. yes, it is. 
Where can the fans find you both on social media if you have those contacts and do you I'm have not anything to plug? Media. I was showing him how to use his iPhone. He showed me how to use my iPhone. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on Instagram at Marconi 251 I do a Sunday show on Rumble with Corey Castle. I'm sure if you know me, we do the Sunday stew pot. We tape it. And actually, what we're trying to do tomorrow, we're going to do a watch party of the South Park episode of into the Panderverse, and we're going to air it on rumble that's what we're going to do we're going to comment on that because i i love it because the thing that drives me nuts about hollywood now is they pander these people they're replacing old time old school characters with like oh we got to put up person we got to have diversity and do this diversity is great but write stories for that don't ruin the old ones write new mm-hmm. ones that's what mm-hmm. just saying but did they ever figure out who killed kenny no he kills himself most uh-huh. of the time <laughs> but we're, we're going to do that and Corey and i you know, we, we, we're getting a following on the show. So, yeah, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Marconi 251 um, I'm on Facebook and I have Twitter uh, at Marconi 1973 So I'm all over the place. And if you want to get a hold of me, <clears throat> tell Lou, Lou will contact me. Yeah, that's how I do it's, it. It's, that it's, simple. it's hilarious. Like, where's Frank's Facebook page if he doesn't have one? He's probably much more well-adjusted because of it. Yeah, because <laughs> I, yeah. I tell them the stuff that goes on and everything. Else. Yes. Also, I I got a I got a gig too. I I um I'm a I, I work as a sports beat writer for the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Cleveland Browns uh, for CLE Sports Talk. So I write articles regularly for them. So you can find me on there as well. So yeah, I appreciate it. I, you know, I appreciate this, man. This is great. We could tell so, this is we didn't even scratch the surface, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's, like you know, he he he's he's my brother. All this. Always, I if, if if you're both able, uh, sometime we'll definitely back, uh, again and uh, get into those stories that the fans love to hear, and encourage the fans <laughs> to uh, keep up with you, Lou, on uh, social media and your endeavors. And I want to thank you both thank for your time tonight. Hey, thank no problem, anytime. Yeah, we, we, we this we is appreciate this offer. Way. Thank yeah. you. Opportunity. Seems like, it all seems like yesterday. You blink and you're in your fifties. You're like, what the yeah, hell? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You I, know, the I, funny I, thing was right before this. Uh, you know, we were just talking about how much fun we used to have. Yeah. it was oh, just so much fun. A blast. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there were stories about me just getting drunk. You remember you were trying to find me and I was passed out in my backyard. No, <laughs> <laughs> trying to find me for a show and I'm passed out. We're, oh, we're knocking God, on my door. And I'm, I'm oh my God. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe part two will call uh, stories from uh, outside of the ring and, and uh, tap that well. But yeah. Oh, please. we got plenty of. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think we got as many stories like Marty Jannetty would, but we do. Well, not necessarily, yeah. but you were supposed to work, Marty, and they couldn't find him. You remember that of WWF and you end up working Scorpio? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flash yeah. Funk, yeah. yeah. They yeah. couldn't find Marty. He was in the parking lot sleeping. Yeah. Or, or the bowling alley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It was just like he was sleeping in the locker rooms and like Bob Hollywood telling him, dude, get, don't, don't. They're going to give us all drug tests. And he didn't care. He just went to sleep. And I'm like, mm-hmm. ah, it's like you could just see he was going to get in trouble. <laughs> he just kind of knew it. A, a legendary partier in his own right. But, yes, let's, let's do this again very soon. But until that time, fans – Thank you so much for joining us tonight Thank on you. the GP production Thank you for having us. We really wrestling podcast. We're grateful, guys. We love you. Yeah, right. Frank and Take Lou, care. awesome. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks. Take care. Our pleasure.